Amen, amen. Uh, scripture this morning is going to come from the book of Genesis again. We're going to conclude this last installment of a family reunion. We're going to begin our reading at chapter number 33. happening. The family reunion is happening. Beginning at the first verse, you'll find these words. And Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. And he himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. And he threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. I'd like to take for a title of this message, Forgiveness and Reconciliation. Forgiveness and Reconciliation. It seems as though forgiveness is a lost art in this world, and to a greater era in the church. It seems that no one really wants to walk in forgiveness. We don't really want to forgive people. But I submit to you this morning that a part of the pain, part of the hurt that you are feeling is in the fact that you will not forgive someone who has hurt you. According to scripture, forgiveness in the life of the believer is not an option. It is commanded that we forgive. You see an example of this. In October of 2006, a white male, Charles Roberts, enter into a Amish community, went into the schoolhouse, and after excusing all of the male students, as well as the teachers, he lined the female students up in front of the blackboard, tied them up, and shot all 11 of them, killing five of them. What a heinous crime. When they began to look at his suicide notes afterwards, because he subsequently committed suicide afterwards, he talked about some pain from childhood pains. He talked about not forgiving God for healing his baby or his infant daughter. All of this was boggled up inside of him. 
And it drove him to do this heinous, this despicable crime. This made world news all around the world. They were, they were talking about this. And certainly here in the United States, they were talking about it. And if you know anything about the Amish people, the Amish people are very religious people. They are people of faith. But this, 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 this incident did not make notoriety by what the perpetrator did. It really made notoriety by the response of the victims. Because while the victims were still grieving, while their eyes were stained with tears, they stepped up and they said, we forgive this man. And I remember, I remember at that time, I, I, I was in disbelief even as a Christian. Because I began to say, how could they forgive this man so soon? Or better yet, how could they forgive him at all? But yet they stepped up. And they came before the media and declared their forgiveness for him. As a matter of fact, many of them attended the funeral of the perpetrator. This is what true forgiveness looks like. And if that wasn't enough, during a press conference when the family of the, of the perpetrator was there, they shielded the family from the media. They became a buffer between the media and this, grief, and this family that the perpetrator belonged to. That's forgiveness. In 2015, Dylan Roof walked into a church during a Bible study and shot and killed nine parishioners, including the pastor. Dylan Ruth was sentenced to death. And at his sentencing, one of the family members, Felicia Sanders, whose son was killed in this incident, stepped up and said, I offer my forgiveness to Dylan Roof. And she said it's because her Christian faith is what the Bible teaches me. It is my faith in God that compels me to forgive. Each one of them testified afterwards of a weight being lifted off of them at the moment of forgiveness. The problem with us a lot of times is that we carry burdens that we should not be carrying. And we can lift those burdens if we would just learn how to forgive. Now understand that forgiveness, even in God forgiving us, does not absolve us from the consequences of sin. Because Dylan Roof is still going to the electric chair. There are still some sins that we've committed. God has forgiven us for them, but we will still suffer some of the consequences of those sins. 
But it takes us understanding the concept of how God forgives us. For us to understand how we are to forgive others. For the scripture said that if we do not forgive those who have offended us, neither will our Father in heaven forgive us. That is, that, 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 that is a part of forgiveness. In us receiving forgiveness is our ability to forgive others. But you'll be amazed at the amount of people that are in churches today that are harboring unforgiveness. That will not release and let God bring healing. You see, because as long as you will not forgive, healing cannot come. And so we see that in our text. You've been here since the beginning of that. You know that there are two brothers here, Esau being the oldest one has been offended by his younger brother, Jacob. The entire narrative in Genesis is really dealing with Jacob. Because Jacob is the one that the promised seed would come through. But what we really don't necessarily talk about is his older brother, Esau. Because as Jacob is going through everything that he's going through, and understand that, the, that, that most of what Jacob is going for is, is, is coming from fear and it's coming from the guilt of what he's done to his brother. And understand that God will sometimes allow that fear and that guilt to get the best of you. That he might be able to drive you to forgiveness. But you've got to be willing to receive that forgiveness. Because at the end of forgiveness is reconciliation. At the end of forgiveness is restoration. God wants to restore you back to the place in his life, in your life. That place where you were violated at. The place where you're most vulnerable at. God wants to heal those areas. But we've got to be open to forgiveness. Everyone in here has been wronged by somebody. Everyone in here has, been, has had some type of injustice done to you. But in the same light, everyone in this room has wronged somebody as well. Everyone in this room has sinned against somebody. There's no one in this room that is exclusive from that. For all of us have sinned against God. And certainly we've sinned against one another. And so just as we sit and we harbor the bitterness and the grudge against other people, the unforgiveness against other people, you need to understand that you've offended someone as well and you expect the same thing. As a matter of fact, Jesus puts it like this in Matthew, the fifth chapter. He said, he said that the merciful shall obtain mercy. So when you extend mercy to people, when you extend forgiveness to people, God will reciprocate that and give you mercy as well. So, so why is it that we sit back and we want 
God to be merciful to us. But we don't want to extend a hand of compassion and empathy to no one else. God is trying to do this. And we have to submit ourselves to him. Sometimes submitting ourselves to him, it is painful. And so Jacob understands that he has wronged his brother. That he has committed a sin against his brother. 50% of it is fear. The other 50% is guilt. He's feeling the weight of it. And he's panicking. And if you really, in chapter number 32, you see that God deals with him and he breaks him. He changes his name and he changes his nature. But listen here, even sometimes in this new nature that we have in Christ Jesus, there's still some baggage that we bring along with us. There's still some things that we bring from the other side with us. And God is steadily trying to work through us and work in us to get it out of us. So therefore, he'll let us run into tribulation and trauma and tribulation and hardships and pain. That he might be able to work it out of us. It is a painful situation. Sometimes it's hard to forgive those who have wronged you. Sometimes it's difficult. But understand that God is still working in this situation. Because we read about how, how, how God is being or going with Jacob. But we hear very little about Esau. We don't know what Esau is going through. He is the offended one. We don't see what's going on with him. But by today's text, we can see that God is doing something in the life of Esau as well. And there are some times that, 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 that you need to go and ask people to forgive you. And, and I know you say, well, they ain't going to forgive me. No, God is still working on that situation. And God wants to give you victory in that situation. So forgiveness is reciprocated. The one who was offended needs to ask for forgiveness. And the one who was offended needs to extend forgiveness. And it takes God working in that situation to bring about resolution and reconciliation. It takes God working in the dynamics, working in the hearts of men and women that we might be able to be reconciled. But the scripture says that God reconciled us unto himself by his son Jesus Christ. Listen here. And therefore has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, it's, it's our life's work to be reconciled. This, this is not something that's suggested by God. We have that ministry to work to fix broken relationships. That's our duty as Christians. And so here we see 
in verse 1 of 30, chapter 33 in Genesis. Jacob is still scheming. Even, even though God has already shown him. He's still trying to manipulate the situation. Let me, let me tell you something. Sometimes you have to just rest in what God is going to do. You've got, listen, you've got to trust in the word of God. I, I, I don't understand when, when did it come to the place to which we just stopped trusting God's word. If God's word says it, then he will bring it to pass. If God said it in his word, he's going to fulfill his word. His word is not going to return unto him void, but it's going to accomplish that which is set forth. I'm bothered by when I, when I, when I give Christians the word of God, he's like, oh, I, I, that, that ain't going to happen. Oh, we, we, we living in the 21st century. That, no, that, they, they, they won't adhere to that. No, it's still the word of God. And it goes beyond time and space. It is the eternal word of God. And it says what it says and it means what it means. And so if God has given us this ministry of reconciliation, what's our problem? Why are we still harboring those things that, are, that have hurt us in the past? God has given us everything that we need to get over it. To get to a place of peace. Romans 12 said that, that as much as lies within us, we are to live in peace with all men. Yes, even the ones that have wronged you. So here we see, in verse number one, he says, And Jacob looked, and there was Esau and the 400 men with him. Here, here's his problem right here. Because Jacob has the wrong perception. The issue is with Esau, not his 400 men. What he should have been seeing is his brother coming to see about him. But there are some times that we get blinded by the distractions. We get blinded by the things that are in insignificant. We get hung up on the minor and lose focus of the major. And so he sees him coming with 400 men and it causes him to still begin to devise a plan. Once again, a sense of priority here. He puts the, four, the, the, the two handmaidens up front. In other words, they'll be the first one that he'll take out if he's coming to kill us. And then he puts Leah who was not his bride of choice. But nonetheless, she is his baby's mama. And then he puts Rachel, the one he is fond of, along with Joseph in the rear. But there's one thing to commend about Jacob is that Jacob read up ahead of all of them. And he bows himself down to the ground. The scripture says seven times, Seven being the number of completeness. He bows himself as though Esau was God. Understand that there's no man that can stand in the place of God. 
And if you read this text, if you go on and read this text, you'll see all throughout the text, he, 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 Jacob takes this servant-like attitude. He gets to the point to where he even calls Esau his Lord. He's fearful. But look at Esau. This is how we know that God is working in the life of Esau. Because it says that Esau did four things. The first thing he did is he came and he ran to his brother. In other words, there was a sense of urgency. He, he needed to get to his brother. His heart has been changed. The last time that, that Jacob seen his brother Esau, he had promised that when daddy gone, I'm going to kill you dead. But now you see a changed Esau. You see an Esau that is running to his brother. In other words, I can't wait to get to you. Not that I might do you any harm, but the minute he seen him, he embraced him. He fell on his neck. He hugged him. He loved him. And in all of that, he forgave him. This is a beautiful picture of forgiveness. This is a beautiful picture of two grown men who have not seen each other in 20 years, crying and hugging one another, showing that love that God commands of us. And much in the same way, you have brothers, you have sisters that have not spoken in 10 years. I just came from a family reunion. And there were brothers and sisters that had not spoken, had not seen one another in over 10 years. What is the problem? We keep holding on to the hurt instead of embracing the love. Just like Jacob did. Just like Esau did. Understand that God is working in your situation. I, I, I don't care how bad they hurt you. I don't care how deeply you were wounded. God is able to heal your every wound. All it takes you doing is to submit to him and say, God, I'm willing for you to heal me. I'm willing for you to deliver me from this bondage that I'm up underneath. I'm willing to surrender to give you my all. So they're crying. But it seems as though Jacob still does not get it. After introducing his brother Esau to his entire family, he still offers Esau these gifts. Understand that forgiveness cannot be purchased. It is an act of the will of the person who has been offended. I cannot ask you to forgive me and then try and pay you for that forgiveness. Because then it neglects to be forgiveness. You have to do it just from your heart. But Jacob is still trying to pay. And that's just a part of our human nature. 
Part of our human nature is that we want to pay for the stuff that we get. That's why people can't really accept God's forgiveness at, at Calvary's cross. That's why you keep trying to work for your salvation, and it comes by faith and faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot pay for this forgiveness. The forgiveness that God offers us was a free gift of ours. It's freely given. We could not earn it. We still cannot pay for it. All we can do is receive it by faith. We see, we, 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 we see a picture of our salvation right here in this text. Esau had every right to kill his brother dead. But it was because of his love for his brother. Much in the same way, it's because of God's love for us. That he did not kill us dead. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life for us. He sacrificed his love, life, life for us. On an old rugged cross over 2,000 years ago. He gave his life for us. We could not earn it. We could do not deserve it. But he gave it anyway. Yes, he looked at me, a wretch undone, and said, I love him enough that I'm willing to die for him. Willing to give my life for him. Yes, he came down through 42 generations. Can I tell the story, D? He came down through 42 generations. Wrapped up in flesh. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Yes, he did. He did works down here on earth. Showed us how to live. Showed us how to forgive. Showed us how to love one another. Yes, they marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall. Took him to Cal Cal Calvary's cross. Nailed him in his hand. Nailed him in his feet. He gave up the ghost and he died for me. He sacrificed for me. He died, I tell you. They took him off the cross. Buried him in a tomb. But all on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. Who wouldn't serve a God like this? Who wouldn't serve a God that loved them so much that he died for us? Gave his life for us. And now he sits at the right hand side of God, the Father. And he's praying for you. He's praying for me. He's making intercession for us. Because he loves us. It's him. And we're to take an example from him. We should be willing to sacrifice and give our lives for a friend. For no greater love does a man have for his friend than he willing to lay down his life for him. Jesus is coming back. I'm waiting on him. But I want to be working while he's coming back. I don't want anything that will impede him from coming back from me. And so therefore, I will not harbor unforgiveness in my heart. I am compelled to forgive. No matter what, I am compelled to forgive. Forgiveness will always lead to reconciliation. And just like God reconciled us to himself, he wants us to have the same ministry of reconciliation. 
Please stand to your feet. <clears throat> the door to the church is open.